God is with us, let us put our hands together to welcome him as he ministers to us. Good morning. Um, thank you, Evangeline, for the kind welcome and uh, greetings to all of you. Uh, my grateful thanks to my dear friend, uh, Reverend Jonathan Wong, for the invitation to come and share God's word today. And my congratulations to Canon Huang Aoyu and to all of you in COGS on the completion of this wonderful building project recently and to be able to uh, meet in this fabulous sanctuary. This is my first time here, uh, and I feel very, very privileged and very happy for you. So uh, glory to God in uh, seeing you through a very tough project over many years, uh, but I'm sure you've learned a lot, and he's discipled you through it. I, um, I want to acknowledge that we live in a very busy, fast-paced society. Everyone uh, has many burdens and responsibilities. Another way to put it is that everyone is under a yoke of some sort. The question is, which yoke are we under? And that is my title for today. Which yoke are we under? And I'll be drawing from the two readings in Exodus and uh, in Matthew. Several of the insights that I will share are drawn from this book uh, by Walter Brueggemann, which is entitled uh, Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to the Culture of Now. So my uh, sharing will be under these three headings, the yoke of Pharaoh, the yoke of Yahweh, and the invitation to choose Yahweh over Pharaoh. So please would you join me in a brief word of prayer. Lord, as we come to hear your word being unpacked, we pray and ask that your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, will take this word and penetrate our hearts deeply in order that we might be touched by it, strengthened by it, and that we might be given the grace to be doers of it. For your sake. Amen. So the yoke of Pharaoh Moses' burning bush encounter launches the Exodus narrative. Exodus means the escape or departure from the oppressive yoke of Pharaoh. The Israelites were expats in Egypt to begin with. Pharaoh, through his uh, ministry of manpower, decided to change their policy and force all Israelites into slavery. And that's how they came under the yoke of Pharaoh. Now it's worth noticing in Exodus chapter 1, verses 9 to 10, that it was insecurity and fear that led Pharaoh to adopt this strategy by subjugating the Israelites to relentless labor. He felt that they would be less of a national threat and less likely to take up arms against Egypt. The whole system was marked by restlessness. They had no concept of a Sabbath or rest or time off. 
Pharaoh was relentlessly demanding that there be more monuments and more storage built for his surplus grain. And because he didn't rest, it meant that his civil service as middle management didn't rest as they were constantly supervising the workers. And if the top leadership and the middle management didn't rest, then of course the workers at the bottom of the pyramid, pun intended, couldn't rest either. Except at night, when it got too dark to work. So every day for them was unvaryingly the same. Wake up early, work, 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 stop when it's dark and go home, and the next day start all over again. When Moses was sent by God to request for Pharaoh to release the people for a short period to worship God, the entire system went into overdrive. The people were now forced to work even harder, producing the same quantity of bricks without being provided with the raw material of straw. So this is the yoke of Pharaoh, exhausting dehumanizing, oppressing. Now I have some bad news for you. Though it has been several millennia, Pharaoh is alive and well today. And he's just as insecure and fearful today as he was back then. Insecure that a strong, healthy, rested people will be a threat to him. So through the machinery of a fallen humanity and a consumerist society, He subjugates us to the relentless slavery of work, production, consumption, entertainment, addiction, etc. And it's interesting and so true to contemporary experience that the more people who are under the yoke of Pharaoh express a desire to worship God, the more the system goes into overdrive and the more intense becomes the urgency of work so that they quickly relinquish all such ideas. What worship? No time, just work. Who is Pharaoh today? And who is he threatened by? Well, it should become clear as we look at the yoke of Yahweh. So the yoke of Yahweh. In the burning bush encounter, we see a stark contrast between Yahweh and Pharaoh. Both are powerful authority figures by no means equal in power, but powerful nonetheless, where one uses his power to oppress the Israelites out of insecurity, the other uses his power to release and free the Israelites out of compassion and love. In Exodus 3, 13-20, which was read for us, two important messages are conveyed through Moses to Israel. Number one, Yahweh's identity. And number two, Yahweh's agenda. In verses 13 to 16a, we see Yahweh's identity. I am who I am. He is the eternal God who was and is and is to come. And he doesn't need any reference point outside of himself. He is his own reference point. Unlike us who have surnames, that reference our family of origin or our spouse. So most of us have a given name that identifies us in some sense. Most people call us by that name when they talk to us. But we also have a surname which tells people which family we belong to. Right? That is a reference point. 
So our identity is pegged to a reference point. What is God's reference point? He is his own reference point. He doesn't need any other ex external reference point because he is the ultimate reference point. I am who I am. Yahweh was calling the people of Israel to himself. And that is why he needed to explain who he was. He needed to share with them his identity. You see, understanding a person's identity is important when you want to establish a relationship with them. Who are you exactly? When you get to meet someone, you ask questions in your conversation. So, where do you come from? What work do you do? You know, and tell me about your family and, and so on, your beliefs. And all of these things help us to form a picture of the person's identity and they enable us to either form a deeper relationship with them or back off because we're not, we're not comfortable. Pharaoh was not interested in having any relationship with the Israelites, so there was absolutely no need for him to share his identity with them. But God, Yahweh, wanted them to know him and relate to him. So he took pains to spell out his name, to spell out his relationship with their forebears, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and to spell out how Moses was to introduce him to them. Now in the second part of the Exodus passage, verses 16b to 20, uh, that was about Yahweh's agenda. He communicated his concern for the Israelites, that he had observed what had been happening to them, and his plans for their welfare. He had a new home for them, the land of the Canaanites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their seemingly endless suffering would soon be brought to an end. and They would be free from Pharaoh's control, and they would be able to come under Yahweh's benevolent yoke. This yoke would be spelled out more clearly in the Mosaic Covenant, which would be revealed at Mount Sinai. It included the Ten Commandments, within which was the Fourth Commandment on rest. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Because Yahweh himself was a God who rested, who was not restless and anxious, who did not feel the need to push his creation to peak production and performance all the time. His character cascades down to all those who are under his yoke. Just like Pharaoh's restless and anxious character cascaded down to all those who were under his yoke. So this is the yoke of Yahweh. Sustainable, dignifying, and refreshing. I come now to my third and final point, the invitation to choose Yahweh over Pharaoh. Following on from this burning bush encounter, we know what happened in the Exodus narrative. Pharaoh predictably refused to let Israel go, and then God then unleashed his plagues upon Egypt, the 10th the and final plague coincided with the Passover. And after that, the people were released. They crossed the Red Sea 
and they made their way to Mount Sinai. And after a 40-year wandering, they finally took possession of the Promised Land. Now this Exodus narrative prefigured and foreshadowed in many ways the salvation that would eventually come through Jesus. Jesus is Yahweh incarnate, Yahweh in the flesh. He embodies in his person the rest and freedom that Yahweh offers to Israel. And through his atoning death on the cross, he accomplished the greatest and most ultimate exodus of all, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. The exodus from the realm of sin and death to the realm of righteousness and life. And in our gospel text, in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30 we find Jesus issuing an invitation. Whom is this invitation aimed at? It is aimed at all who are weary and heavy laden. Another way of saying it is it's an invitation for all who are under the yoke of Pharaoh. This includes those who are heavy laden with rule-based religion, as uh, taught by the Pharisees, as well as those heavy laden by the oppressiveness of human sin and the normal breathless rhythms of human society. And where are they invited to? They are invited to go to Jesus himself. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He himself is our rest. Relationship with Jesus is the key to rest and refreshing. He describes himself as gentle, the direct opposite of Pharaoh, and lowly or humble, Again, the direct opposite of Pharaoh. In other words, Jesus is sensitive, caring, considerate, understanding, compassionate. Everything that Pharaoh is not. Our contemporary idea of rest is something like gently swaying on a hammock tied between two coconut trees on a beach with a tall, cold glass of cocktail in your hands and a wide-brimmed hat and shades to shield your eyes from the sun and minimalist clothing. Is that what you think of when you think of rest? And this is not the kind of rest that Jesus is necessarily inviting us to. He invites us to take his yoke upon ourselves. Now, what does taking this yoke entail? Because yoke implies activity, not inactivity. It implies responsibility, not, you know, irresponsibility. But he says this yoke is easy and this burden is light. It is not depleting but replenishing. It is not burdensome but manageable. Yoke is like the responsibilities of life that we all have to carry and pull along. We can't ditch them in a fit of escapism. The key difference is this. When we take on Jesus' yoke, we are co-yoked with Jesus, like a small bull yoked beside a bigger and stronger bull. The bulk of the strength comes from the big bull, so that the load is by no means overwhelming for the small bull. But the small still has to pull some load. Now, I like this image 
it kind of transforms the idea of a yoke to that of taking up our cross alongside Jesus. For anyone who is not yet a disciple of Jesus, the invitation is to become one of his disciples. And that's what taking the yoke of Jesus means for you. If there's anybody here or anyone watching online who is not yet a disciple of Jesus, you know him but from a distance, you know of him more than knowing him personally, then perhaps today you may want to consider that his invitation is being extended to you to come to him and make yourself, yoke yourself with him and become one of his disciples. Now for anyone who is already a disciple of Jesus, perhaps you've been a disciple for decades, like I have, but you are caught up in the stresses and strains of the world such that you feel exhausted, burnt out, dehumanized and used. The invitation to you is slightly different. It is to recognize that you may be slipping back under the yoke of Pharaoh and that you are to choose the yoke of Yahweh by intentionally and even defiantly making time to draw close to Jesus in worship and quietness. I come back to this book by Brueggemann, the very curious title, Sabbath as Resistance. And Brueggemann makes the important point that the yoke of Pharaoh needs to be resisted by defiantly embracing and welcoming the structures in the yoke of Yahweh. The discipline of desisting from work every seventh day is crucial to transforming the spirit and nature of days one through six. I like how he puts it. The task is to seven our lives. Seven our lives. Make the seventh day the defining day that transforms the entire week. Another form of defiance and resistance against the yoke of Pharaoh is to leave behind the idea of always having to earn what we deserve and embrace the idea of gratefully receiving as a gracious gift. And in this regard, there is a strong link between Sabbath and the Eucharist, Holy Communion, because of the idea of gift. Brueggemann puts it this way, I've come to think that the moment of giving the bread of the Eucharist as gift is the quintessential center of the notion of Sabbath rest. It is gift we receive in gratitude. And that moment of gift is a peaceable alternative that many who are weary and heavy laden receive gladly. Instead of living under the yoke of Pharaoh where life is run at breakneck speed, we can choose the yoke of Yahweh, which is the yoke of Jesus, and slow down to break bread speed. When you receive the gift of the body and the blood of Jesus, you are eating and drinking rest. For he is our rest. You can afford to slow down until your heart is still and your mind stops its restless racing. I've just completed uh, a term in St. John St. Margaret's at the end of June and uh, I was the vicar of SJSM for the last nine years and sometimes I felt stressed 
in, in that role and on the edge of burnout. There were just so many things to attend to. Emails piling up, WhatsApps piling up, meetings lining up, pastoral emergencies popping up. And uh, sometimes, I, even while doing the work of the Lord, I could find myself slipping back under the yoke of Pharaoh. But when I stilled myself, for example, when I sat up in bed in the morning or at different points during the day when I had a prayer corner in my office and I would go kneel down there and I would say, Lord, what is your word to me? So many times I hear his gentle voice say to me, I'm with you. Son, I am with you. And you know what? No matter how many hundreds or thousands of times I have heard him say that same word to me before, each time I hear it anew, it has the power to calm me down and remind me that I am yoked with him. He carries the bulk of the weight and my portion is manageable. I will not crack. And he gives me strength. So I invite you to use these words to counsel yourself and to intentionally choose the yoke of Yahweh over the yoke of Pharaoh. Be still, O my soul. God is with you. Rest in him. Calm down, O my soul. God is for you. Trust in him. I invite us to now take a moment of quiet where you speak these words to your own soul. Let's just have a moment of silence wherever you are, in this sanctuary or at home. Just take a quiet moment and speak these words to yourself. collect our thoughts together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your gracious invitation to come to you. No matter where we are, no matter what kind of situation we find ourselves in, and especially if we find ourselves under the yoke of Pharaoh, help us to respond to your invitation today. You love us. There's no one who loves us like you do. And you want to minister to us, you want to heal us, you want us to have a rhythm in our lives that is sustainable, refreshing, gracious. Rhythms of grace. Help us to discover that afresh as we come to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters.